Hi, I'm Pete McCall, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of the All About Fitness Podcast. There was no voice at the beginning of this podcast. That's because I actually have two guests for this episode, and I couldn't really, I couldn't find a soundbite that had them both on the soundbite. I didn't want to just play one versus the other, so I decided to go against the grain and not have any soundbite of, of, of the guests before the show. The interview for today is with Andy Orbeck and Nicole Stewart. They have a third author that's a part of the book, and that author is Desi Bartlett. So Andy Orbeck, Desi Bartlett, and Nicole Stewart wrote a book called, they call it Total Body Beautiful, Secrets to Looking and Feeling Your Best After Age 35. Now, if you listen to All About Fitness, you know that's my jam. How can we use exercise to feel our best at any age, but especially after age 35? And real quick, about feeling your best, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice. Uh, the good news is I did not get a positive COVID test, so I did not test positive for COVID. But as I'm recording this, I'm finding a little bit of a cold. And uh, yeah, as you can tell, my voice definitely found, sounds a little scratchy and a little groggy. And you'll hear that in the interview too. I'm, I'm recording the introduction pretty soon after recording the interview to get right into that. But one thing before we get into the interview with Andy and Nicole, if you listen all about fitness, you may have heard more advertisers lately. You heard me advertise Gnarly Nutrition, Butcher Box, Buy Optimizers. Just to let you know, I am using these products. If I'm right, if I'm doing an ad for a product, I am using the products because I feel strongly about using the products that are going to be running ads that I'm going to be recommending on the podcast. So you have that, that layer of authenticity. Now, if you want to support the podcast, you can obviously buy one of the products advertised on the show, but you can also buy one of my books. I have Smarter Workouts and Ageless Intensity. I also have three books I've self-published, and the links to those books are down below in the show notes. There's Functional Core Training, there's Dynamic Anatomy, there's Secrets to the Fountain of Youth, or Exercise for the Fountain of Youth. But that's the way you can support the show, is support one of the advertisers, buy one of my books, and I'm not going to try to sell you on any, I'm not trying to sell on any type of coaching program or buy any, I'm not going to put anything behind a paywall. I'm trying to bring you great information like this interview today of how you can use exercise to not only maintain, but enhance your quality of life. That's why I wanted to do this interview is obviously this is right up my, right up my alley with my book, Ageless Intensity. I really, I'm a big, I, I really try to understand the aging process and more importantly, how exercise slows the aging process down. And so when I saw the information about this book, Total Body Beautiful, and saw the background to the authors, the unique thing about these authors is they work in a very, very unique industry. They're all fitness trainers for people in Hollywood. And so they've worked with people whose bodies you recognize. We talked about that a little bit. But the reason why I wanted to bring them on about the podcast was if they can keep Hollywood bodies looking their best so the Hollywood bodies get film contracts, because that's what it's all about, then they have the information to help you look your best. And that's what we talk about today with Andy uh, with Andy Orbeck, Andrea Orbeck, also known as Andy, and Nicole Stewart, authors of Total Body Beautiful, Secrets to Looking and Feeling Your Best After Age 35. Today we're speaking with Nicole Stewart and Andy Orbeck, the authors of Total Body Beautiful, Secrets to Looking and Feeling Your Best After Age 35. How are you ladies doing today? Hi, Pete. Good. I, we're, I think I'm good. <laughs> I think you're good. And where, where exactly are you guys joining us from? We're both Los in Los Angeles. 
Oh, you're both in Los Angeles. Okay. For some reason, I thought, Andy, did I read in your bio that you're Canadian? Yeah, I was Canadian born and I lived there for um, 30 years. And then to date myself, I've been here 20. Okay. Uh, I did well, bobsled for Team Canada. And so after I retired, I, I moved here to kind of thaw out and lose the accent. It might show up in the interview, but that's okay. All right. Well, no, I just, I found it interesting, no, because the Canadian, Canada has a strong history of exercise physiology. And I saw you went to, that's what you went to school for, right? In Calgary. Yes. So how yeah, did that influence, you know, is that what influenced you to get into fitness? Is that what started your fitness career? Yeah, because I did bobsled, it just seemed like a very natural segue. I was kind of interested in law. I tried to study that for a couple of years with the intentions of it being a helping profession. And then I realized it, it wasn't for me. And um, I just thought it was a great wheelhouse to already be in because I was an athlete. And so it just became a perfect segue to be able to study that. Even other um, teammates of mine were in the same program. So it was nice that we all kind of used the university to train at as well. And then also go to school. So it just seemed to be under the same umbrella. It worked perfectly. No, and I find it interesting. I always find it interesting when people make that transition from, from sports into fitness. And you're in that first generation, Andy, that really didn't have any any people to follow, any anybody to kind of who you're you're one of the trailblazers. I mean, to go from Team Canada to working in fitness. Uh, did you recognize that at the time? Is that something that, that was a, you're aware of when you were doing that? No, that's a good question. I think when I look back and, you know, being considered the pioneers where we were uh, very underserved as women with, you know, the finances and the sponsorship. And if you weren't a carded athlete that was able to generate revenue, you actually had to balance a lot of plates in the air. That the foreshadowing of that was becoming a mom and someone who was a career person, which I wouldn't have known in my 20s. But the parallels along that were very significant just because women weren't even invited to the Olympics when I was on the national team. I saw my teammates go through 2002, which is when we kind of officially retired and then moved to the United States. So I didn't even get to go to the Olympics. We weren't invited. So we did the World Cup and the World Championships. And, you know, that was a thrilling um experience but even then you know in 2002 to have it kind of not be misogynistic but definitely have exclusion for women in the area of sports was an interesting experience that I think maybe serves me now you know I, I guess I'd have to think about where I see it but it definitely impacted me for sure well that's it but that's an interesting point because I think you're right and I think I mean I do think it's gotten better to some degree but I think looking back on even 20 years ago we forget about the fact that women's teams did not get nearly the funding that men's teams did. And, and is that changing from your point, point of view? Is that changing? I think it is with the exposure and popularity of women into the four way. But we, you know, we know that um, like the, the WNBA compared with the, you know, NBA and just the different uh, like the different spectrums of pay and interest. And so those are emerging. And I think that, you know, those are emerging also in areas of specificity with people in sports and people that are, you know, trainers and people educated. Sometimes it's tough to kind of emerge into a role where you're a woman and you have the education and you have the sports background, but you're trying to coach men. Some people just don't really still see those things connecting or the segue of someone who can be a sports caster. You can love the sport and you can understand the dynamics. And even though you don't play it or you don't 
because that's the size, you know, uh, I don't think that a woman who has boobs should be discredited from being able to narrate a play or coach a game. And, you know, those are still emerging areas that we're, you know, fighting to get in, but I do see it changing. I really do. And I, I, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the pioneers that have kind of, you know, forayed to get there. I, I think that it's cool and emerging. Well, and as as you're saying that, what I'm thinking, Andy, and we'll bring Nicole into this a little bit is because fitness, like the commercial fitness is an industry that is dominated by women that has a lot of strong female leaders in it. And historically that has been, so you you can see how that that gravitates so many attention. So Nicole, how are you doing today? You have a background a little bit different. You didn't do bobsled, but your background is in Pilates. Does that mean you're, you're, you have a dance background as well? I do. I do. I grew up um, dancing for many years. I was born and raised in Las Vegas and um, I studied dance throughout my whole childhood. I was in a scholarship with a woman by the name of Inez Morning, who was like the, the best teacher in Vegas at the time. And I just really threw myself into that as I was growing up in high school and junior high and even elementary. I mean, I danced for 14 years. So, and I was doing like 17 hours of dance class a week. Um, she was very strict and very hard. And that's where my background came from. Um, she was a drill sergeant, you know, but she really ingrained hard work and consistency and determination to work for anything you want. You have to just keep showing up over and over and over again. Um, and that was my first sort of um, introduction to fitness, I would say, is dance. But I never thought I'd be a fitness instructor, per se, when I moved to Los Angeles. That sort of came in a roundabout thing because I was a dancer. I had a friend named Vince in an acting class who knew I was a dancer and knew I wanted to take Pilates. So he said, well, you know, we might be hiring at this studio. Why don't you come in? The owner's on the road training Sharon Stone. And that's how it all started. And I thought, well, if nothing else, I mean, I could just take a few free Pilates classes. Cut to (laughs) 20 years later. The pioneer in the industry, yeah. Well, that's an interesting background. And what's funny about that is working in L.A., you're obviously in an environment where appearance becomes kind of mandatory, right? And and there has been this shift away from appearance-oriented fitness towards more what more holistic wellness. But what 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 about that environment? What what is tough about that environment to be a fitness instructor in? Like to to be, I mean, both you guys have worked in LA now for a while. How tough is that environment to work in? Oh, that's a great, very layered question, well, Nicole. And you have a lot to say about this. Um, yeah, I mean, but go ahead. You go first. Well, I think what I guess if an observation, if we had to, if we had to categorize it uh, on the tough parts, it's sometimes that um, being known for what you do trumps doing what you do. So sometimes you have people that are um, very qualified, but if they're not famous, they're not the first people you would look to for the resources and answers. And so what's really crazy about that is if you're more popular than you are certified or educated, you sometimes get a a lot of shine. And so if you subscribe to that as a barometer of success, 
then, you know, it's a weird, superficial, vapid industry. But then the other side of my cheek is that I also use that because I have worked with so many celebrities that I do use that on my calling card and my resume in conjunction with my education and experience and hard work. And sometimes people don't care about that. They more just want to know about the celebrities, you know, so it just depends on the interest and, and the circumstance that you're in, but they go together. They serve in concert. And also, you know, having all that information coming through social media, if we're going to use all of our socials to educate people, we kind of need to serve it on a silver platter with the segue of shameless name drops that go with it. You know what I mean? So it's just an interesting, crazy environment, but I'm grateful because look where it got us. So I can't poo-poo it without still having the gratitude and criticism at the same time. You know, would you agree with that, Nicole? Well, it's being aware, we're real quick, real quick but before Nicole uh, responds to that, I think it's just being aware of that you're in a, you're in a unique environment. I think that's a huge yeah. part of it, right? Is LA is very, I mean, LA, New York, and maybe Miami, maybe are three three areas that are very unique in terms of fitness. But what's been your LA fitness experience, Nicole? I, I mean, it's it wasn't always the way it is now, for sure. You know, I keep thinking we're in this huge fitness bubble. But um, I mean, originally, you know, for me, I just wanted a job, you know, and I wanted a job that would be healthy and make me healthier and make me a better person. And that, that happened. And then ironically, you know, through a friend of a friend, I ended up getting a referral to my first client. And it was just, you know, one of those random things where it happened to be Kate Hudson, and it was before she was famous. It was while she was shooting Almost Famous. And she wasn't famous yet. And that, then that's sort of how that avenue went down. Because then she would refer me to this person and that person. Um, uh, so it's just, it's it's definitely a different place. And I try to make sure that the clients I do get don't compare themselves to the people I train. I mean, everybody's body is completely different and we all have different components and different blood types. And it's, you know, you can't come into me and say, I want Kate Hudson's body. You know, it just, it doesn't work like that. Wait, wait, it doesn't? Because that's exactly what I want. That's that's what I'm training for. Me too. You know, I mean, but, I want her body too, but that just hasn't happened. You know, I thought maybe through osmosis, but, you know, um, but, but, but I, I can certainly take you through the drills and 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 give you the demanding effort and, and show you what she does. And the rest is up to you. You need to show up. You need to follow the diet. You need to do all the other stuff. You know, I can take you through the motions, but you have to be the one in the end to really have the will and the desire. Well, and, and, and as you as you indicated, exercise is so completely individual that you can have people follow the same program, but their physiology may get different responses just because their physiology is different. There is no one one size fits all. So in your experience, and I think you guys are well known, um, you folks are well known for working with women, why should women be be training or exercising differently than men? I think that's one of the reasons why you wrote the book. But but based on your experience, why should women be exercising differently? 
Wow, that is such a good question. I'm not sure that I feel like they should. Okay. I feel like if we were if we were to, you know, explain as, you know, you being in the industry too, Pete, uh, women's muscles are muscles and they do uh, they do experience atrophy and hypertrophy. And if you eat like crap and you don't serve yourself enough protein for, you know, the building blocks of the muscle, and if you don't nourish your body correctly and you don't do the necessary cardiovascular in which to, you know, get leaner, you're still going to have the same foibles and outcomes of someone who is, you know, unmotivated, sedentary, and isn't serving their body with, you know, strength and conditioning. And so I would say those two, you know, somatotypes or the physiological aspect of them are the same. But I think when we wrote this book, we started looking at it, not only from uh, that perspective, but the reason why women are different is because they start to experience after 35, that kind of being that golden number of a foundation, they start having perimenopausal symptoms different than men. Men will start to decrease testosterone production and be able to, you know, have those outcomes too. But when you think about perimenopause and menopause and postmenopause that really differentiates women and that's kind of where we started to look at the book and say where can we kind of serve the underserved of that gender and you know that brought us together to then start this project so i i guess those would be my comparisons between men and women i mean i feel like i used to train like a dude and now i don't obviously but i am a 50 year old person who's gone through a myriad of different changes and and you know, I couldn't care less really whether I had big quads or not. I just really want to be able to play with my seven-year-old and I'm 50. So that has a different consideration. You know, I think you'd agree too, Nicole, right? Just Absolutely. Um, just staying as, as vibrant and fit as you possibly can as you age is like really the, the key and the goal. I mean, I think for everybody who's in the fitness and um, right. exercise industry. Um, I think we all uh, are trying to achieve our own goals personally, but in, as a whole, I think we all, you know, we want health, right? We want to, we want to be as healthy as we can be for as long as we can be. And that changes as we get older because different things become more important to us. Right. So, I don't know, you know, as opposed to really wanting the, the six pack, you know, you're just like, oh, I hope my heart lasts, you know, or whatever, you know, <laughs> well, that, that, that becomes the question because it's like, how did, at what point, because I, I'm the same, same age, Andy, as you referenced, I'm 50. And it's like, I, I was just thinking back as you're, as you're describing that, because back in your twenties and thirties, you, I love getting after it every day. I love, it's like, okay, if it doesn't hurt, then it wasn't a good workout. And then at some point, maybe in the last 10, 10 years or so, at some point in my 40s, it's like, okay, workouts don't really need to hurt. Let's focus more on the overall kind of the overall sense of wellness. Do you think, do you think that's just as natural that as we kind of mature into our bodies that, that we recognize the fact that we need to train a little bit differently? I'll throw that out to both of you. Yeah, I 
For me, I do in the observation of all of my clients and as my area of specificity has grown into like more physiotherapy with working with people to prevent injuries and to deal with injuries and just the arc of those experiences. It's probably because we get more injuries as we get older because our bodies physiologically have just been exposed to more uh, components that can you know harm us and hurt us or if we've been training inefficiently, they really do show up in your 40s and 50s and 60s, if you haven't had correct form and it hasn't been corrected, it's going to have those consequences. And then I also feel that we start to consider different in uh, quality of life. We're no longer just in the aesthetic realm of how lean am I, how much do I bench, and how great does my ass look in these jeans. All those things, very justifiable considerations. But now I'm thinking about how, literally how long can I live and how long can I live with quality? And at what point when I start to see my doctor and they ask me questions that they didn't ask me 25, 30 years ago, we need to then just start to factor it all in and then find a program that balances us out as we've become balanced. And I, I think that that's kind of where it's at for the fitness industry. And we're starting to recognize the importance earlier. And I just think that that was great. You know, it was a great segue to then write this book for women who are considering all those changes and still factoring in very justifiable, you know, reasons for working out. We can look in the mirror, but we also have to kind of look into the future for me anyway. No, no, I like that. Nicole. Yeah. Oh, no, I was just going to go off of what you said, like, you know, in your 20s, if it didn't hurt, it's not a good workout. You know, I was very much like that myself. Um, and then what I've come to realize through the years is it doesn't have to hurt, you know. And for me personally, it was becoming a little more gentler, you know, um, with the work I was doing. And I didn't have to, you know, go run up the hill 40 times or whatever crazy sort of scenarios I was coming up with in my twenties. Um, as I got older, I realized like it's, it's the quality and it's the form, it, the specificity of what you're doing and to really be present within that, you know? And mm -hmm. well, I think also women need to be gentler which is what I wanted to get to gentler with themselves in their, um, the way they look at themselves and the way they train. That's interesting. I think, I think women, from my experience and from observation, obviously I'm not a woman in my forties. Um, but having just gone, gone through my forties with a bunch of female friends, I have seen women become more, and I think we all do in our forties, both men and women just become more self-aware and more become more self-confident of who we are. Like the forties is the time it's like, okay, this is who I am. I'm fine with it. I'm comfortable with it. I'm going to kind of, I'm, I'm, I feel, feel good within my own skin. And I think that kind of ties in with exercise because exercise helps us kind of develop that confidence. Is that, is that one way why it's important for us? Is that one reason why it's important for us to continue to exercise as we age is to kind of help us maintain that sense of overall confidence and that, that well being? I think so. I, I think it's a great component to, yes, go Andy. Yeah, <laughs> I would agree. No, I, I just think it's a resounding yes, because that's the place where we can still see some of our capabilities and our competencies, and you can still develop goals 
even if they're micro or macro, short-term, long-term, goals can still be had in the realm of fitness. Even if you have to modify it depending on certain circumstances, you really can still be attached to those things on a personal level. And then you can also be in a group environment. You can still have the social motivations. I mean, there's just so many health benefits that go even outside the musculature frame and your cardiovascular efficiencies. There's just a lot of factoring in um, who you are can show up in a fitness realm in a very individual way. And I just think that that's correlated to confidence. You know, confidence really usually is just measured with your competencies in a task. And that's one area outside of your marriage, outside of being a mother, outside of being someone even who's a fitness leader. When I go to the gym and I'm there, I know my motivations for me are me and that choice that I've made and the goals that I want to see out of it. They've changed over time, but those still really reflect what I'm capable of having and achieving. And I just think that that is so important. So, so important. No, I like that answer. Yeah. Look at it, Nicole. I don't know if Nicole, you want to add oh, in. Sorry, no, no. I was well, just how, how like, exercise adds to exercise adds to the confidence as we age. Like you know, because I, I think that's one of the critical things as we age to have to feel like we have the strength and the ability to go out and tackle what we want to do in life or handle what we want to do absolutely. in life. I mean, yeah. is that is that where you see the big benefit, Nicole? Do you see that as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it is. It's so important. I have um my mom who's 82, you know, and unfortunately, I mean, she's in great shape and health, not healthy, you know, knock on wood, but she quit exercising, you know, and now she's starting to walk a lot again. But from that, I see how it impacted her spine and her body. I mean, thank God she has a lot of confidence, but physically, I mean, I always say if she had not stopped exercising, she would have lived to be like 125 or she'll live that long, you know, because it just makes such an impact overall. And I see as you age, you know, you get a little more timid to do things, you know, or at least I do, I, you know, as far as like physical athletic things, you know, and I don't ever want to stop that. So I just came into my mind last year, ice skating, you know, I got a little, like, I was scared to get on the ice with my son, but my husband, nobody else knew how to ice skate. So I was like, I can do this, you know, and I had that confidence and I knew I had the strength in my core and the flexibility from doing years of this training that I teach and I do. And I can, you know, I kick butt. My husband was like, oh my God, He's like, I was really impressed with you out there ice skating, Um, you know, and I was like holding my son and he was falling down and, you know, inside I was like, don't fall with him, don't fall with him, you know, but I held my own, which was, which was great. And at 52, you know, so, you know, and I want to, I want to be able to do that at 70 with him. No, I, I love that. I love that, Nicole, because because I do think that is a goal of fitness that we all overlook. Like no matter what we what we do as we age, we want to be able to pick up new skills and new hobbies and be able to do that. And, and I love the fact you're sharing that. I like you guys. We're the same age as basically. My kids are eight and ten, and so I can go out. <clears throat> I can go out and keep up with my kids, uh, whether we go hiking or go playing at the playground. And that's a big motivation for me to be able to like stay active and not just not just any activity, but to stay active, to keep up with them. 
and having yeah. two girls getting ready to go into high school, I got to make sure that that I start getting the arms looking good too. I have to have those very intimidating dad arms. <laughs> now, yeah. now, real quick, I want to bring it back to something you mentioned earlier, Andy, and that's about perimenopause. And and I'm going to put a little heads up in in the introduction for this because I really think men need to listen to what perimenopause is and how does it affect women's body? Because there, I do think that that we can all, I can definitely use a better understanding of how to be a little more sensitive to what a woman might be going through at certain stages of life. Yeah, sure. And so your endocrine system, in the book, we devote a whole chapter to hormones. And we do that only to orient the reader to what hormones within the endocrine system are, just to give a basic lay understanding of what they are and then each one and how it actually affects your uh your hormonal changes because they all tend to shift and basically hormones are just like a little um electric system within you and they are a messaging system and they start in the brain and they talk to the organs and they produce and regulate what they need to so that you are actually being regulated and as we get older they start to shift and you know perimenopause can start pretty early depending on environment and genetics and all those other things. And then they can last for intermittent periods of time. And then they can um, become more severe as you, you know, enter into menopause. And then post, that's a whole other discussion. But for the sake of like perimenopause, like things can happen really fast too. Like women will all of a sudden get the visceral fat, like the belly fat. You can get sleep problems. You can have mood changes. You can have a thing that's called vaginal atrophy, which can affect your, you know, your sexual health. You can get like muscle and joint pain, hair loss, all these kinds of things can happen. And women are underserved and underrepresented, you know, and millions of women enter it every year in the United States alone. And so when you go through these changes, it really starts to affect how you feel, how you feel about yourself, and then the other physiological feelings of getting through the day with all those aforementioned things I just said. So imagine going through that and being very alone and still trying to charge through your life in the person that you've been occupying up until that point. And so we wanted the reader to understand men and women, you know, to to really get an understanding of what really is it, who does it affect, and then what can you do about it? And so that's kind of why we scaffold it all together, all three of us having different areas of specificity, and then be able to compliment women who needed those translations. So that's kind of where it started, and, you know, it will evolve. But it's happening constantly, and it's a bummer because when women don't understand it and speak out, they kind of suffer alone, and it's just an unfair, lonely place. And what type of things can women uh, experience during perimenopause? Like how how can it change their physiology, or how can it change how they feel? A biggest the biggest um, change I think across the board that bothers women the most is the uh, visceral fat, the visceral belly fat, different than you know the subcutaneous, but it's the deeper fat around the organs, and it can change as your estrogen levels change, your progesterone and testosterone changes. And so that is a big one. Another one is um, mood. And then, you know, we did a podcast too that you were saying, Nicole, like with the hair loss, like all those things can really be a Jedi mind trick for someone who's trying to. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No. And so I just think that those are things that need to be looked at and understood and translated and addressed for women who are moving along in this normal, very active life. And then these things start to come on board and thwart 
you know, what you're doing and how you feel about yourself, especially, you know, mood and memory loss and visceral fat, who wants to kind of wake up to their, you know, their body changing and morphing with the same set of environments. It just kind of makes women, you know, at a loss for themselves. And then their husbands, like, it's good that, you know, men should know about these things because I think a lot of men don't, you know, and don't take that. I just, you know, nobody's really talk about it. Nobody, nobody educates men or women about these things, you know? So that's another good reason. Um, and one of the reasons we wrote the book, you know, just to keep spreading the word, getting people. Well, let me ask this question and it just kind of popped into mind. Does it, as your body's changing, does it feel very isolating? I mean, does it feel like, can it be easy to feel that, you know, if you have life going on, if you have a family, a spouse, kids work, and all of a sudden you feel these changes to your body, is that, is that a sense of like, this is only happening to me? Is it become hard to articulate that with friends, with other people? I mean, is that, I mean, I'm just, I mean, I'm asking out of curiosity because I'm sure it would be kind of a tough thing to be able to talk about. I think so. And I, I think the more that we, we keep talking about it, I think that the less isolating it, it will feel because I know, you know, you go from when, you know, like Andy was saying, you're living your life, you're li- and then all these things start happening to you. And if you can't talk about it with anyone, absolutely, it could be very isolating for sure. So, and, and, you know, I don't know how many people see a therapist and talk about these things, you know, so it's, it's great just to be able to talk to you about it today. Agreed. Agreed. I'll give you an anecdote. When I was doing some research for the book, just to kind of see the sentiment of the things um, that popped up uh, regularly across the board, I ended up joining a group that's just called Bioidentical Hormones, and it's a bunch of women. There were 40, there are, I'm still part of it, there are 40,000 women that belong to this one Facebook group alone. And the synonymous um, conversation that comes up is, all the symptoms that I mentioned earlier. And, you know, the, I noticed that there's a common term, miserable. I feel isolated. I feel lonely. I can't talk to my spouse about it. How can I talk to my doctor? And so I felt like the common denominator was this very, you know, uh, frustrating, isolating phenomenon that happens to every woman. And how are we in 2023 and 40,000 women are still collectively getting together and looking for support with one another to even get the confidence to talk to their doctor. And I thought, what an archaic philosophy that that is still the narrative. So, you know, that is why I'm just so grateful that we were able to get together and start to really spearhead even more confidence in women about what's happening. Well, but I think that issue is becoming, it it is becoming more prevalent. I think they are looking at kind of how does it all come together and how do you you create integrated health with fitness? So with that, with with the book, Total Body Beautiful, what are the secrets to looking and feeling your best after age 35? Like what, what, what kind of little nuggets do you have in there for, for readers and that, that they can add or they can start doing with their own workout programs or their own wellness programs? 
Great question. I think what we did very successfully that to my knowledge hasn't really happened before is that we have taken three very legitimate and effective fitness models with the three of us and put them together. And that is part of the secret. Like one of the things that I know that, uh, you know, have built our businesses in Hollywood, working with all these enviable bodies is that we have referred each other. So if I need some, if I needed someone to do Pilates, I would refer Nicole. If I needed someone to do yoga, I would refer Desi. I got referrals from the girls. So to realize if you take all three of these modalities and kind of put them together, there is a real answer in that. And then with that, we kind of expanded it to mental health and hormones. And so it's the combination. I feel that all of those things together kind of gave us a little bit of a secret arsenal. And. Um. I agree. <laughs> I mean, yeah, putting all three modalities together. And but I, I mean, what I do also want to say is that like it is secrets, but I also feel like it isn't a secret, if that makes any sense, because it's about showing up and doing the work. So it, it's also just about the idea and the experience of putting these three exercises modalities together and seeing the results. And that's what we did in the book. And not only on the mental front, but also just making people aware they can, oh my God, I maybe I should go see my doctor. Maybe I should go get my blood tested. I mean, they're all practical, realistic, grounded secrets if that makes any sense, you know, I love that. it's not like go get a witch's potion and this will make you skinny secret. You know, it's like, you know, it's a play on words, I guess is what I want to say. Well, for um, listeners, yeah, she's doing air, she's doing air quotes with secrets when she's saying secrets, which I mean, <laughs> to your point, it's just, it's consistent, hard work. Well, let me ask you this, Nicole, because I don't, I don't talk to that many, many experts on Pilates on, on the program. I guess that's my bias more towards strength training. But why why is Pilates such a favorable exercise for as for for us as we get over the age of thirty five? What is it about Pilates that makes it gentle gentle on an aging body? Well, I, have you ever done Pilates? Uh, it's been years, but I've done a few reformer workouts and I've done one or two mass classes. Yeah, um, I find that for men and women, it's it's a way to. It's different than lifting weights, but in a lot of ways, it's the same. And I could most certainly, and I give a lot of my men the the, the very men-oriented workouts with like this, so they feel like they're lifting weights within the workout. Um, but why it's important as we age is it's gentler on the body because you're stretching and lengthening your muscles. And not only are you doing that, you're strengthening your entire core all the way around while you are doing these exercises. It keeps your brain focused. It keeps you um, agile mentally as well as physically. It keeps your spine limber, really limber. And I keep saying this quote because I think it's such a great quote that Joseph Pilates said that you're only as young as your spine. And it's, I just think he's brilliant, you know, uh, and it's true because as you get older, when you fall, if you fall with a stiff spine or stiff feet, that's when you break something. But if you're 80 and you fall and you're still doing Pilates and your spine is supple and your feet and ankles are still bendable, 
you're not going to break anything. I mean, you know, not a hundred percent, but chances are you're not going to break anything. Um, well, what, what I liked about it when I took it was the the body awareness, especially using the reformer. That was a lot harder than 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 I think I anticipated. Anticipated was the foot positioning, holding the foot position, keeping the muscle under tension. That definitely it's a definitely a different feeling than the weight room. And I can definitely appreciate appreciate that. Now you talk about yoga as well, and I know the the woman that specializes in yoga isn't isn't on the call part of the interview. But what is it about yoga that that you guys? Why is it that you added yoga to the mix in terms of the workouts? And what is it about yoga that's good for us as we get over to the age of thirty five? Well, I mean, first of all, it's Desi Bartlett, and she was the one who came up with this idea, and is the one who graciously contacted myself and Andrea to be a part of it because she had written a book prior to this called my sexy pregnancy. Right. Andrea. Um, so, and I I also, I, I love yoga. It has a lot of the same, um, uh, what am I searching for the word? It does a lot of the same things as Pilates, Um, but it's different in the way I think it has more of a meditative quality about it, more of, um, a mental, um, peaceful quality and that focus where it's more breathing and meditation as opposed to the strenuous aspect of when you're lifting not only weights, but resisting the springs, um, it's different in that way. And also it's done without any apparatus at all completely. You can do it on a mat. So, um, and also the good thing about the book is that, like you can buy the book and do the workouts anywhere. You don't need any equipment really. That's another thing. I'm just totally went to the right there, but, um, yeah. but it's always, no, it's always good. I and mean, that's one of the benefits, right. Of being an instructor is, you know, that no matter where you go, that there can be as much equipment or as little equipment as possible. And you know, you got a great workout in. No, I, I enjoy yoga. I need, I keep, every time I talk about it, I'm like, okay, I need to start going to classes again, but I'm sure you guys understand it can be very picky to, I'm very picky about yoga instructors, you know, especially if I go to a yoga, if I go to yoga class in a gym, I'm not, I'm not there for some holistic, I'm not trying to change my life. I just want to do yoga, go through the sequence and, and feel better. That's where it's like, I don't need the, the metaphysical coaching. So that that's on me though. I need to get over it because I do, do appreciate the benefits of it. Now, what about strength training, Andy? Why, especially for women, why should women be strength training once they get over the age of 35? What is it about strength training? that's so important for the uh, aging, aging female body. Muscle strength, muscle metabolism. As we know, the science doesn't leave us as we get older. It still works where it comes to hypertrophy. So if you break down the muscle and you use resistance training in the form of weights, then it breaks down at the cellular level and it builds up again. So it increases either in its size and in its fibers. And that's important because when we don't have the hormones that are uh, readily available as we get older to repair the body, we still need to do the modalities that build it, which is, you know, resistance training. Of course, as your metabolism starts to eventually slow down because of those changes with hormones, you need to still have the fire within you, you know, in the form of um, caloric expenditure and recovery which is metabolism. And so we want to do that. We also know that osteopenia, osteoporosis, weight training does strengthen the bones. And so as we start to have different profiles with our estrogen and you know, progesterone and testosterone, our bones can become more brittle. 
And so that's another really important um, aspect of it. And of course, like fitness all over, be it like resistance training, gentle plyometrics and cardiovascular is really going to delay the onset of all the heart related diseases that start to come upon us as well in older life. And so, you know, it's form and it's function of the body. And I just feel like it's something that you can always do if you plan on sitting down on the potty, if you plan on getting in and out of your car, and if you plan on having resistance, you know, you need to be able to practice and work within weights to be able to function at optimum efficiency. So, you know, if you don't, if you don't really care about your numbers anymore, you still have to care about the years of your life. And I think that, you know, resistance training is going to do that for you. What age do you think? What age do you think we make that shift that we start thinking about? Hey, wait a minute! I need to start using exercise to manage the aging process. At what age did you guys become much uh, much more aware of that? I for me, it was right after I had my child. I, we all had <clears throat> kids really late. I I had my son when I was forty five. So, um. For me, most certainly, I was like, oh, my God, I'm so glad I've been doing this my whole life right now, you know, because it gave me that um, confidence, you know, like I can get back quickly. And although I didn't get back quickly, it took me a long time, but I knew I had the strength to do it. And I was really appreciative for all the years I had exercised and um and was able to keep up with everything because, you know, after you have a kid, it's like crazy time. <laughs> yeah, no, every, everything changes. Everything changes. Everything changes. So yeah, for me, it really does. Yeah. For me, it was having a kid late in life. And then um, two years ago, I had really, really severe hip problems and I kept delaying it and delaying it. And I was doing physio and I was doing all these other kinds of things. And when I finally ended up seeing an osteo and going to get an MRI, I needed a hip replacement. Mm. And I was like, are you kidding me? How could that be? And I kind of like chalked it off because I was embarrassed. And I almost was like, well, it has to do with the fact that I was this athlete and all that. And they said, well, yeah, that's true. But there's a lot of people It's probably just, you know, genetic in your age. And I was like, oh, you gotta be kidding. And so I had this kid who was in preschool, the pandemic was happening. And I was going to get a hip replacement. And there I am thinking I'm too hot to trot. And I'm in the clinic and all the other cohorts that are in there waiting for their hip replacement, they're in walkers, you know, not to sound ageist, but they're making sounds like, bro, and I'm in there going, I don't, I don't belong here. And then I realized, like, check yourself. You actually do. This is your experience. This happens a lot. And um, this is going to be your health journey. And I was like, wow, function is going to be everything I need to wake up and think about because I now have this really dented in glute that's very inferior in, you know, strength. The doctor told me no more sprinting for you. And I was like, what are you talking about? I've been a sprinter my whole life. And in two years, I really now just kind of do intensity for me is incline on a treadmill versus the really high Ooh. impact fast stuff. Ooh. And it's, it's tough. It was very, very hard. But then, you know, those are the things that we have milestones in our life that make us have to just look in a different direction moving forward and you have to decide what does quality of life mean and what does aesthetic strength mean from different points of everyone's life. And it happens, you know, to everybody. So how, how's the hip strength now? I mean, how long did it take you to feel that before you felt you had a good rehab in there? 
One thing I will say the doctor did say was very noteworthy about me or an archetype like me is that I had really super strong developed glutes, not just the glute meat in the glute, you know, max, but all the little multifidi and all the small little muscles, you know, and the piriformis rather not the multifidi piriformis and tiny little like abductor stuff. And he said, we had to cut through really, really thick, dense muscle. Mm. And the good news in that is that it will have quick restorative, you know, um, habits back. And so I was able to get back very quickly and do, you know, the uh, physiotherapy. I was able to start squatting again. I didn't lose the mobility because I knew I had to kind of employ the things that Desi and Nicole do in their practice, which I didn't do before. And in doing those things, I was able to, I squat full deep again and I do, you know, put on the the pounds and I do do leg press again. I do all kinds you know, reverse lunges and all those kinds of things that indicate hip strength. And thank goodness, knock on wood, I was athletic or I would have been, you know, with my cohort saying, well, but you also, I think, I think what that gives you also too, Andy, is the ability to, to work through discomfort, discomfort. And I think, you know, especially in Nicole's background in dance, you can obviously work through discomfort. And I think that's a huge thing that people don't, don't recognize is that in order to get results from an exercise program, we need to go to that point of d- discomfort. Well, what can people expect to, to start wrapping up the conversation? What can people expect to get from, from the book, Total Body Beautiful? Like what, what type of workouts are in there? What type of information is included that, that would help them be able to have the total body? And I, and I say this at any age, right? I mean, obviously, I skew the information in this podcast for people over the age of 35, but this information can be used at any age. Well, I always say, God, I wish I would have gotten this book when I was 20. It would have been a much better avenue, you know, in my 20s. Um, I, I, I hope people get inspired for me, you know, to to change their routines or to up their game or to learn something new. You know, that's what I hope for anybody who buys this book. There are workouts in the book that are you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 25 minutes. And again, you just really have to take the workout, the book with you and you don't need any equipment. So it's really kind of a no brainer. Um, that's, that's would be my takeaway. Um, I don't know, Andrea. Mine would be that it's a, it's a holistic approach. And so it factors in all the things that some fitness books don't offer, like mental health and hormones and practical ways to see your goals through. So there's a lot of psychology. If one is interested in the body-mind connection, there's a lot of things that go on that Desi wrote in, you know, in the chapters that she covered. And then it's also this really cool aggregate of all the things that people should be doing that they sometimes neglect one area or another. And so it's a trifecta of all the things that we've been successful you know moving along with these wonderful bodies that are you know considered the hollywood bodies however it's just practical and like nicole was saying if you need a different duration and a different intensity we've covered it and i think that we worked very hard to make sure we thought about all people with all different schedules and levels of fitness and levels of you know where they are past 35 and i think it serves all of them and i you know it's something i think we're very proud of you know coming from that perspective Cool. No, it's always good. And that's interesting because I have uh, been thinking about as I write to be more inclusive in my writing and use, you know, in terms of just what the the words I use and in terms of the approach I use with that. Well, how can people get more information? Nicole, what do you have any, 
your social media, any website that people can refer to if they're interested yes. in learning more about you and Pilates? Absolutely. Um, we're, we're all on socials everywhere. I'd like to think we're very easily accessible. Um, I'm at Nicole Stewart LA and it's S-T-U-A-R-T. We also have the website um, www.totalbodybeautiful.com. Um, what else, Andrea? We're yeah, on- that's it. I mean, yeah. Desi's handle is at Mothers Into Living Fit on Instagram and Facebook. Have to include her. Um, and yeah, we're Google. We're we're here. We're around. Happy to answer. We're here. Questions. We're here to stay with the banner above our heads, flying high, marching down the street, talking about this book, Total Body Beautiful. <laughs> awesome. Well, I appreciate your time, Andy Orbeck and uh, Nicole Stewart. I thank you for your time today. Appreciate it. Thank you. Call, it was great talking to you. Love. So all three authors, remember, are Desi Bartlett, Andy Orbeck, and Nicole Stewart. We had Andy and Nicole on there today. And that was really, that was a fun conversation. Remember, if you want to learn how to design your own exercise program, no matter what age you are, you can pick up a copy of my book, Smarter Workouts, The Science of Exercise Made Simple. If you want to learn how to use exercise to slow down aging, you need to pick up Ageless Intensity or Exercise um, exercise to Slow the Aging Process. I have both those down below in the show notes. I also have Functional Core Training and Dynamic Anatomy. All those are eBooks available that you can buy, purchase that supports the podcast, but help you learn how to use exercise to enhance your quality of life. And that's what the conversation today was about, was how do we use exercise to enhance the quality of life? Because I think all of us can agree, and by all of us, I mean you listening, I think all of us can agree that one of the cool things about exercising as throughout the aging is we feel good while doing it. I mean, I really, I stopped exercising for appearance, well... I've talked about that on the podcast. I mean, let me restate that. I exercise for appearance because it's my job and I got to walk into gyms full of 25, 20-year-old personal trainers. So I got to pay attention to my appearance for that reason. But really, for those of you that listen to the podcast regularly know, especially being over age 50, I exercise because I want to manage the aging process. I want to manage manage how aging affects my body. And that's why I like to have this conversation is hearing from a different point of view because obviously... I look at this from a guy's point of view, and that's why I really wanted to hear from Andy and Nicole, is hear a slightly different perspective about how aging affects our body and about how we think about it. Because I have to tell you, um, as a guy, one of the things you recognize is, okay, my body can't do what it used to be able to do. I'm not as strong as I used to be able to, as I used to be. Like, it was really hard for me when I couldn't pick my kids up, and I mean, I can pick them up, but I can't pick them as easy anymore. I got to put a little more effort into it. I can't just swing them around like you used to be able to. <coughs> Excuse me. I can't just swing my kids around like I used to be able to, and that's hard. Part of it, part of it's a function of them getting bigger, of course, but it's a function of them getting bigger and me getting older. Because now at 10, I'm age 50, I can't throw my, my older daughter around the way I used to. And I'm playfully, of course, um, roughhousing with her appropriately. But that, that, that does kind of dawn on you as part of the aging process as well. I can no longer do that. I probably sh- Or more appropriately, I, I probably should no longer do that. Um, I don't know if I say I can't do that. Anyway, I probably that should probably become more of a lexicon. I should probably not do that anymore. 
Um, all that to say, fun conversation with two fun women, and I'm looking forward to seeing them in, in person, hopefully before too long. Uh, if you like All About Fitness, you know how to support it. You can support the advertisers. You can hit the one of the links down below the show notes. And as always, thank you for, thanks for stopping by. Can't even do that right. As always, thank you for stopping by. And I do look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness, especially when I don't have a cold. Take care.